Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. You tuned in to Newcastle Fast FM and this is Understanding the Quran with Imam Walid. Assalamu alaikum, Imam Walid. Wa alaikum assalam warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. How are you doing? Alhamdulillah, how are you? Alhamdulillah, good, good. Jazakallah khair. Been a couple of weeks now since uh, been yeah. on here with you. <clears throat> yeah, um, we all have things to get done. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's I've it. seen you've been busy. I've been busy, Alhamdulillah. so... Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, good stuff. Yeah, good stuff. And how's everything in Middlesbrough? Everything okay? Alhamdulillah. You know, I'm just plodding along and trying to get through this period, uh, hoping that things don't get worse after the Christmas and the New Year holiday with people celebrating and the spike goes back up again and then we might have to end up facing another lockdown. Yeah, that's true, subhanAllah. But we'll see what happens. A couple of weeks left, inshallah, we'll see what happens. Uh, inshallah. <laughs> so, inshallah, today, um, the tafsir of Surah Bayina. Now. Um, so, without further ado, ado Sheikh, I'll put you on and I'll see you after, inshallah. Inshallah, Zakallah khair. Wayak. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, wa salatu wa salam ala ashraf al-anbiya wa al-mursaleen, wa sayyid al-khalqi ajma'een, sayyidina wa nabiyina wa habibina wa qudwatina wa imamina Muhammad sallallahu wa sallam alayhi, wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa sallam atasliman kathira. Rabbi shrah li sadri, wa yassir li amri, wa ahlul uqdatan min lisani, yabqahu qawli. Pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us all success, to keep us all safe and protected. And I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to open our hearts, minds and souls and enlighten us with the blessings of the Qur'an, insha'Allah. Surah Al-Bayna, when people spoke about the Asbab al-Nuzul or the reasons behind this revelation, it was revealed to explain to the people uh, about Surah Al-Qadr. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Inna anzalnahu fi laylatil qadr. And the people start asking questions. What's this that's been revealed? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, started to explain to them about the Quran and about the guidance in the Quran and about what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent and some of the commands that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent in the Quran. So in the beginning of the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explained a few of these issues and topics and after that in the latter part of the surah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke about the punishment for those who disbelieved and the reward for those who believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and there are certain hadiths about the surah as well um, that al-Bukhari and Muslim narrated from Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu anhu that the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to Ubay ibn Ka'b radiyallahu anhu one of the companions of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who was uh, one of the people who was responsible of writing the revelation of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and he became a pivotal uh, person when it came to writing the Quran in the time of Al-Khalifa Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu and the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to him inna Allah amarani an aqra'a alayk lam yakun alladhina kafaru qala wa sammani lak Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded me to recite this surah to you. And Ubay said to the Prophet and he named me and he said yes. And Ubay 
was in tears that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned him. And Ubay was asked, were you happy with that? He said, yes. Why shouldn't I? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Yunus, قُلْ بِفَضْلِ اللَّهِ وَبِرَحْمَتِهِ this is the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his mercy and you should be happy with the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it is better than whatever you gather and collect in this dunya may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us all happy and acceptance of the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so back to the surah the first ayah after a'udhu billahi minash shaitani rajim bismillahir rahmanir rahim لم يكن الذين كفروا من أهل الكتاب والمشركين مبكين حتى تأتيهم البينة. The people who disbelieved in Allah Subhanahu wa Taala from the people of the book and here we're talking about Jews and Christians, and they have called the prophets who Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has sent to them as the sons of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. May Allah Subhanahu wa Taala protect us from such claim. And the mushrikun, the people who worshipped idols beside Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In the time of the Arabs at the time, there were people who worshipped idols, there were people who worshipped animals, there were people who worshipped uh, the fire, and so on. Mumpakina hatta ta'tiyahum al They were all over the place. They were confused, they were disunited, they weren't together until the revelation came from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with the haqq to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the Quran. Rasulun min Allahi yatlu suhufan mutahara. A Prophet from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, recites or tell them the guidance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and reciting the Quran and it is written upon purified sheets that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has purified it from any kind of shirk, hypocrisy, lies or any kind of misguidance and that is in, written as well and mentioned as well in Surah Abasa we mentioned that in the past blessed sheets that are lifted and up, you know, up high and purified by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala فيها كتب قيمة All the rules, the guidance, the justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is written in there and there is no mistakes about it وَمَا تَفَرَّقَ الَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ إِلَّا مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا جَاءَتْهُمُ الْبَيِّنَةِ The people of the book who have received the books of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the nations before and after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has established the authority upon them by showing them the guidance, by sending prophets to them, by sending messages to them, by sending the guidance to them, by showing them the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they started to disunite and argue amongst themselves. Some people followed the messages, some people didn't. And this is again a warning from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to us as he warned us in Surah Ali Imran verse 105. وَلَا تَكُونُوا كَالَّذِينَ تَفَرَّقُوا وَاخْتَلَفُوا مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا جَاءَهُمُ الْبَيِّنَاتِ And don't be like those people who disunited themselves, argued amongst themselves after they have received the revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
The next ayah, وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ مُخْلِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ حُنَفَاءَ And the only thing they would ask, every prophet that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has sent, was sent with a clear message. Worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Do not associate any partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the ibadah. وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُوا اللَّهِ And they were only commanded to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. مُخْلِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ and there is sincerity and the importance of the niyyah and the intention of the person. When they make the niyyah, they have to be sincere that whatever act of ibadah they're doing, they're doing it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is a problem here. And we have to pause and take a pause because sometimes we seem to be having an issue when it comes to our niyyah and our intention. You know, you have to be careful that you don't start mixing your niyyah and mixing your intentions. If you're praying so you can just get your parents off your back and or you're praying in front of people in such a way that you are nice and slow and humble and showing that humbleness in front of people but when you are by yourself either you don't pray at all or pray very fast and very quickly then you have a problem because that in itself is yeah, because you're showing up because your normal routine you don't do it that way or you don't do it at all so in fact is if you are praying to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then you should do the prayer properly to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but if you start to change your behavior your manners in front of people then your niya might have changed there to please other people to make sure that other people are pleased with you so they can call you um you know a person who prays you know there's a word for that it's publicly used in a lot of the south asian muslims which is the mazi or mashallah in arabic rajil abid or so we have to be careful we have to be careful when we pray we pray to please allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not to please anyone else so our prayer has to be to his best. When we give charity, we're doing it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't go around showing people that we're paying charity and doing this and doing that. We do it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. The minute you start showing off, then you're losing your reward. And actually, sometimes it can be even sinful for whatever you're doing rather than being rewarded. So we have to be careful. وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُ اللَّهَ مُخْلِصِينَ لَهُ الدِّينَ حُنَفَاءَ Al-Hanifiyyah is the straight religion. The religion that has no doubts in it. No corruption. No misguidance. And this is the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that was sent to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in Surah Al-Anbiya verse 25 وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِن قَبْلِكَ مِن رَسُولٍ إِلَّا نُوحِي إِلَيْهِ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنَا فَاعْبُدُونَ Every prophet we've sent before you, every messenger we've sent before you, they have been revealed to them to tell people أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنَا فَاعْبُدُونَ No one worthy of worship beside Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone indeed. So, they should establish the prayer and pray the salah. And if you look at the Quran 
and when you're reciting the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he commands salah, when he talks about the people who are salah, and when he talks about the, those ones who are praying Iqama is establishing the prayer how do you establish your prayer first you prepare yourself physically by making your ablution your wudu and you're taking the proper steps to do it and you prepare yourself mentally by disconnecting yourself from everything else outside of the salah and you preparing yourself emotionally by understanding the position that you are in and you are going to stand in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you know what that position means so you prepare yourself with every angle so you purify yourself you clean your mind and you correct your intention and your near and then you pray and once you are in that salah in the position of the salah in the position of the prayer you are completely have been transformed or transferred to a different world and a different environment that no one else can affect you mentally or emotionally in that position that's what Iqamat al-Salam means and not everybody has that ability so we need to start teaching ourselves to reach that level of khushu' that level of yaqeen, that level of understanding the next part here it's not about you know whatever I have extra I give it is one of the pillars of Islam that people have to give the zakah when they have reached the level in their wealth that enables them to give the zakah and it is something compulsory given to the poor and to the needy not to everybody and not to everyone and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned those groups in Surah At-Tawbah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned the groups who are uh, allowed to take the zakah uh, in the Quran and the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam when he would give the zakah by the way he didn't take zakah himself he would give the uh, give it to the people around him on the sadaqat and he was said nahnu alu Muhammad we don't take the zakah we the people of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam we don't take the zakah and the ayah in surah tawbah ayah 60 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said إِنَّمَا الصَّدَقَاتُ لِلْفُقَرَاءِ وَالْمَسَاكِينَ Sadaqat, meaning zakat, is given to the poor, to the poor, masakin, the needy, وَالْعَامِلِينَ عَلَيْهَا And those who work to collect the zakat, وَالْمُؤَلَّفَةُ قُلُوبُهُمْ وَالْمُؤَلَّفَةِ قُلُوبُهُمْ And those who have newly accepted Islam and they needed help and they needed support. And those who are indebted, those who have been imprisoned or they have issues, financial issues that causes them to either be indebted or they're going to go to prison. They need help and support to pay off that. Again, those who have financial difficulties, those who need to pay blood money, for example, those who are troubling and they have uh, difficulty reaching their destinations, they may be lost their wealth or whatever, and they are uh, in trouble, and the person who completely disconnected from their support and they needed the help that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can provide for them. And this is the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.
and this is a, the straight religion that has no diversion in it given to the straight ummah the ummah of muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and it is there is no change in that no one can tell you any different no one can tell you any otherwise this is the only religion the religion that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will accept from everyone is Islam and if anyone tells you otherwise they are lying and they are mistreating or misguiding the second part of the surah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then starts to talk about the punishment and the reward so he explained that there are global people who believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala followed the message of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu uh, and other group followed the message of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam so every party will get their due إِنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكِتَابِ وَالْمُشْرِكِينَ فِينَا لِجَهَنَّمَ خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا أُولَئِكَ هُمْ شَرُّ الْبَرِيَّةِ those who disbelieved in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the people of the book, from the mushrikeen, the one who associated partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they will be in Nari Jahannam, in the hellfire. The word Jahannam, some of the people who explained the Arabic language, they said it is not an Arabic word in itself, but it was taken by the Arabs and utilized in there. And it means the complete darkness of the night. And when you try to explain what the hellfire means when it mentions Jahannam, it means the lowest depth of the hellfire because it will be completely darkened and you can't see anything in there. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. They will be in it for eternity. Those are the worst of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah protect us and save us and not make us amongst those people who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will send to that torment and that punishment. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about the best of the creation. Those who believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And here again, a pause because Iman doesn't come just by Iman. You can't just say, my, my dear brother, my dear sister, you know, my Iman is in the heart. You can't say that. It has to be followed by action. And here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again every time. Ya Those who believed and do good deeds. Those who believed and do good deeds. Amal, action, has to come with Iman. Amal has to follow Iman. You can't just say Iman is in my heart and then you ignore everything. Because if you do that, then what's the benefit? What's the benefit? What is the what, what is the what, what's what's the result of your Iman? Iman has to have an effect on you as an individual. So it's not just about saying I believe, but you go and commit everything, every sin under the sun. That's not Iman. So Iman has to be followed by action, by acting, by doing good deeds, by following the guidance and implementing them in your day-to-day -day life. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then said, 
make every single one of us amongst them. Those are the best of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make every single one of, one of us amongst, amongst those people who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mentioned there. What is the reward, O Allah? Jazaa'uhum inda rabbihim jannatu adinin tajri min tahtiha al-anharu khalidina fina abada. The reward from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is jannat, paradises, adn, for the residency. Ad meaning residency, iqama, the people who establish the residency in that place. Tajri min tahtiha al-anhar. Tajri, running, anhar, beneath it, rivers running beneath it. Khalidina fiha abada. They will be in it for eternity. Eternal living. And again, there is a reminder for us here. This dunya that we are in is temporary. It is not a place of eternal living. Whatever we do in this dunya is always going to be temporary. And subhanallah, because the dunya is temporary, everything in it is temporary. There is nothing in it is eternal. Nothing in this dunya is eternal. This laptop that I'm using today to speak to you from is temporary. You know, in a few years' time, that technology will completely disappear. And my laptop will become obsolete. And I will have to find the funding to go and buy myself a new one. The phone that I'm using, the same situation. The, the car that I'm using, the same situation. This house that I'm in, I have to keep you know, renovating it and updating it and making sure that it is because it's whatever is, is there, it always will deplete and we always need to be looked after and so on and so on. You as a human being, you're not going to live for eternity. If anyone was to be granted eternal living, would have been Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But himself, he chose to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When he stood and gave that sermon and said, you know, what do you think about a servant who has been given the choices of staying where he is or meeting his master? And he chose to meet his master. The companions didn't understand what was happening. But Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, the closest one to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, understood exactly and he started to cry. And he stood up and he said, Oh Prophet of Allah, we will protect you with our wealth. We will protect you with our children. We will protect you with everything we have. Because he understood what the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has said. He understood that this is the last, might be the last few days or months of the life of the Prophet Muhammad on earth. So we need to be, you know, we need to, to be able to understand, you know, whatever we gather, whatever we have is temporary. It's going to disappear. It's not eternal. The only thing that is eternal is whatever legacy you leave behind you as a person. And look at the legacy of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu Still till this day, more than 14, 1,400 years. And we still talk about the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Praise the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Mention the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And that is from the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala.
And that is a lesson to us as people as well. What kind of legacy do we want to leave behind for the next generations to come? What kind of benefit we want to leave for them to benefit from and to mention us with good and to praise us and maybe ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive our sins and to grant us a higher place in Jannah. Then the ayat continue. Radiyallahu anhum. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has accepted them. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepts someone, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevates their levels in Jannah. Again, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make all of us amongst those people. And those people who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has accepted, they have accepted what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed them with, and they are grateful for it. This is for those who fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And by the way, one of the things that always comes to mind about Jannah and about the hereafter, when we talk about the people of Jannah when they enter into Jannah and the people of the Hellfire will enter into the Hellfire, and the books are closed and everybody has received what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised them, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will come to the people of Jannah before I continue with that, I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us all amongst those people who are in that position. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say, have you received what you have been promised? And they will all say, yes, O Allah. Are you pleased with what you have been given? And they will say, oh, yes, O Allah. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will say to them, do you want extra? Do you want more? And the people will say, oh Allah, what's more than this blessing, these gardens, these, you know, uh, tranquilities that we're in, all these, you know, luxuries that we're in, what more? And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will remove the veils and reveal themselves to the believers. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala meet every single one of us amongst those people who are in that position and have the ability to be able to see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Jannah. This is the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to every single one of us. The blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to all of us. And we need to work hard to receive that blessings. We need to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And elevate ourselves, elevate our manners, our attitude, and be able to correct our intention and our niyyah. As we mentioned in the beginning, it's very important to have the right niyyah and the right intention. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all success and keep us all safe and protected. Mm -hmm. Insha'Allah, uh, next week we will talk about the next surah, insha'Allah, Surah Al-Zalzalah, a great surah with the great reminders in it about the last days. And it is very important for us to ponder upon the whole of the Quran. But there are some surahs and some ayat that can make us really think very carefully about our lives and why we're here and work hard to try to improve ourselves. Until next week, inshallah, we uh, leave you with whatever questions you have, inshallah, so we can answer them. And we'll go back to Brother Hassan, inshallah. Um, 
Alhamdulillah, lots of comments and um, lots of people watching. So, thank everyone for tuning in um, and for watching. So, uh, Imam Ali, there's um, actually a question from me, to be honest, is um, how do we, um, I mean, how much Quran should we be reading ourselves um, on a regular basis? And um, and how, how do we, like, kind of increase that as well, the amount of reading that we do? Uh, set yourself a reasonable target. Don't make it too much because sometimes if you start setting yourself a higher target, you will not be able to achieve it and then you will find yourself struggling. So you need to set yourself a reasonable target, a target that you're able to achieve, complete. And start with a small amount, even if it's one page a day. And once you're comfortable with that, then you start increasing that bit slowly and slowly and slowly. You know, um, I remember when I was in my early days starting to memorize, I uh, was memorizing only a couple of lines a day. You know, alhamdulillah, by the end of the, uh, the period, towards the end, I, uh, I used to memorize five, six pages a day. Wow. So, you know, your mind can be trained and then you will find yourself thirsty for more and you won't be able to stop. And I will say to people, the best time is before Fajr. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned that in Surah Al-Isra, Quran Al-Fajr, inna Quran Al-Fajr kana mashhuda. It is very important, and it is a blessed time, and it is a time where you can, you know, your mind is clear, you're not, you know, clotted with a lot of things and issues. And if you want to memorize as well, it is the best time for memorization. Even if you want to memorize, it is the best time for memorization. And again, you start with slow and small amount of uh, ayat. And for anyone who wants to memorize, I think there is a question here about memorization in front of me, I yeah. can see it in the screen. You need to find a sheikh who can actually be with you. It is very important. You can memorize by listening to sheikhs. Uh, you know, I could see that Sheikh Sudeh's name was mentioned, mashallah, a few times in the comments here. Yeah. And you can do that. That's absolutely fine. But you're not going to be able to correct yourself if you make a mistake. So if you make a mistake, who's going to correct you? You know, the tape recorder or the CD player or the MP3 player or the computer cannot correct you. So you need to be able, even if it was remote, even if it was online, at least somebody can listen to you and correct your pronunciation. Okay. And Imam al-Shatibi, rahmatullahi alayhi, used to say in one of his, in, in the Shatibiyya, the, the book that talks about the Qura'at, وَلَيْسَ بَيْنَهُ وَبَيْنَ تَرْكِهِ إِلَّا رِيَاضَةٌ مْرِئٍ بِفَكِّهِ And the only thing that's between a person's perfecting the Qur'an and forgetting it or leaving it completely is exercise with the mouth. Okay? So find somebody, a sheikh or somebody who knows the Qur'an by heart, knows how to read the Qur'an properly and pronounce it properly, can teach you, and set yourself small targets to start with, and then, inshallah, after a while, try to increase that, and then you'll find yourself, inshallah, sailing through it. But you have to have the intention, the niyyah, and you have to have the correct uh, attitude. 
it's a hard work. It's not easy. Uh, a lot of people nowadays think it's just you know it's a, it's a small feat. It isn't. It's 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 a really uh, a sacrifice that you have to sacrifice your time, your 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 energy to do it, and you need to do that. And once you achieved it, you need to continuously keep revising and reciting, because that's the only way that you can keep a lid on it, i.e., not forgetting what you memorized and wasting all your hard efforts and your energy. Subhanallah, yeah. So, um, so basically, just going back, so we should read as much as we can ourselves every day, and then also should we all always try to memorize like a new surah or a new uh, parts of the Quran? Start memorizing the small surahs. Okay. So Surah Al-Fatiha is very important, and it has to be done properly. And you can. Because with Surah Al-Fatiha, it's, it's a pillar of the Salah. It's one of the important parts of the Salah. Without it, the Salah becomes invalid. And you have to correct it properly. And if you, once you've done that, you move to the next one. So I would say to people, start memorizing the Once you've done that, start memorizing the important ayat, Ayat Al-Kursi, for example, the last three ayat of Surah Al-Baqarah. Uh, start memorizing the you know Surah Tabarak, Tabarak al-Mulk, Qadir. Once you start memorizing these important surahs, then you've got a I would say a, a credit in your bank account of Quran memorization. Then you can start building on that. Then you, you've got the, the investment there. This is your business now. This is your established business. You want to memorize the Quran. Let's call it a business. You have put your first investment in. Now you want to grow the investment. Slowly, slowly start memorizing. And I would suggest everybody start memorizing the small surahs of the Quran first. So start from the back going upwards. Once you memorized at least two juz's from the back, then you can either start from the front or start continue from the back. It's absolutely fine. But you need to exercise your mind to memorize. And don't start memorizing when you come to the long ayat. Don't start memorizing them all at once. You can't. You won't be able to do that. A lot of people don't have the ability. Maybe some people have and they're blessed with strong memory. That's absolutely fine. But if you don't have the ability, start breaking the ayat into small portions. So, for example, Stop there. Keep repeating mm. that few times until it registers in your mind, mm. and then move to the next part. Repeat that few times until it registers, and then go back to the front. Repeat a few times until it registers the whole ayah together, and then move to the next ayah and do the same. And then when you finish the next ayah, go back to the front and repeat both ayahs together. So you join them together. So they registered in your mind as one. And that way you can continue, inshallah, memorizing. And you will find yourself, inshallah, finding it a lot easier than what some people, uh, you know, doing by trying to memorize the whole surah. Once you, it's, it's very difficult to do that. And, you know, with our busy and hectic life, sometimes we can find that very difficult. I think I see a question from Sister Ibtissam here regarding yes. the Tajweed. Um, it is, listen, Tajweed is uh, yes. a skill in itself and it needs uh, practice and it's very important to have a sheikh. 
Okay. There are a lot of Tajweed rules, and without somebody, you can read every single book under the sun that is written about Tajweed and Tajweed rules. But without someone who can correct your pronunciation of the Makharij al huruf the where the, the, the letters come from the mouth and the throat and and so on, and the tongue. Because sometimes, you know, I you know, when you have people from Egypt, for example, they don't say Zalika al Kitabu. So they say Zalika. And you have people from the Asian background, they have the same issue and the same problem as well. Okay. They don't say well they say you know, yeah. they put a wow into the pronunciation. That's wrong. So you need someone who can correct your pronunciation. Once you have that pronunciation corrected, then you can follow the rules of recitation and the tajweed. The best person who recites the Quran in our, you know, in, in, in from the 20th century that I could hear, and I mentioned that before, and I will mention it again. If you are a learner who wants to learn the Tajweed properly and the pronunciation of the Quran properly, the best Sheikh to listen to is Sheikh Mahmoud Khalil al-Husari, rahmatullahi alayhi. Okay. The man, the man is a, a, a legend when it comes to pronouncing the Quran. I have not heard anyone who pronounces the makharij, the haroob, the letters as, as beautifully and as clearly as Sheikh Mahmoud Khalil Husari rahmatullahi alayhi has done. Mm-hmm. Then, if you want to find yourself a style, look at Sheikh Minshawi rahmatullahi alayhi. Sheikh Muhammad Siddiq al-Minshawi rahmatullahi alayhi, another Sheikh. And when Sheikh Muhammad Siddiq al-Minshawi recites the Quran, he recites it with khushu'ah. You find that the Quran is being recited from the heart. It mm-hmm. has the effect on the heart. Some people might find Sheikh uh, Mishari Rashid al-Ifasi. Some people might find, you know, that his recitation is beautiful for them, and that's absolutely fine. You know, some people might find Sheikh Sadeh's recitation uh, absolutely fine, Sheikh Shureem, uh, and so on. And there's so many to mention. You know, there are a lot of apps nowadays in your smartphones that you could download, and there have maybe hundreds of recitals in there. You can choose which one you want to follow. But be careful because the recitation that comes from Taraweeh is not the best recitation. Okay. The recitation that comes from Taraweeh sometimes it's rushed. There's different ways of reciting the Quran. There is Hadr, which is quite fast, and that's what happens in Taraweeh. And there is uh, Tartil, which is what you hear uh, in, from Sheikh Mahmoud Khayyar Hussar, Rahmatullah Sheikh Abdul Basit, or Sheikh Minshawi. And there is uh, Tajweed. The Tajweed is something that they trying to extend the letters properly and pause on them properly. So you can say, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Maliki Yawmiddin. Okay, that's normal. Tilawa, that's how it should be. In Taraweeh, you find some of the Mashaykh when they're reciting Taraweeh, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Maliki, Yawmiddini, Iyaka Na'abudu, Iyaka Nasta'in. So they're joining the ayat together and they're quite, really quite fast. And then you have the slower version of it completely. 
Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Ar-Rahmanir-Rahim Maliki Yawmijin Iyaka na'budu wa iyaka So you have a slower version. Okay, you can't really continue doing that for a long period of time because it takes a lot of energy, the last one. So take the taktil, which is slower, to the point that you are able to guide yourself, inshallah, and help yourself through the memorization, inshallah. But as I said, find yourself someone who have the time and can give you that time to trying to read the Quran, even if you have to pay them. You know, it's important. We pay for our children to learn maths and physics and chemistry. And I think it's more important to find somebody who is capable of teaching them the Quran or teaching ourselves the Quran. And we should pay them uh, the right amount of wealth and money as well to be able to enable that, inshallah, to enable them to help themselves, inshallah. Inshallah. There's another question here as well, Mamalid. Um, in the third ayah, um, I'm not sure about the Arabic, to be honest. Yeah. Um, about what are this book? Uh, it's about the Quran. Okay. Here it's talking about the books that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent to the prophets before. And it's talking about the Quran as well as part of it. Right. Okay. Okay, alhamdulillah. Um, there's no more questions to do with the topic then. Alhamdulillah. So... Jazakallah khair, Mamalid. Any final words from yourself, Sheikh? I think we agreed not to talk about the topics, the questions from the but I could see a question in the comments here coming from regarding drugs. I think. Can you see that? Uh, what are the Islamic rulings on taking cocaine? Like, does it nullify the prayer? Do you still have to pray also on selling drugs? Um, okay, if you are under the influence, then your prayer is not valid. Plain and simple. Because one of the conditions of salah, you have to be of sane mind. When you are under the influence of drugs or alcohol, then you are not in that position and your prayer will not be accepted. Okay? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, do not, you your people who believe, and that was in the beginning of Islam when alcohol or drinking wine was allowed. Do not attempt to pray while you are under the influence, intoxicated, until you are able to recognize what you're saying. Because you're in that position, instead of asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless you, you could be asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to curse you. Because you don't know what you're saying. You know, you become in a position where you're completely confused and your mind is completely all over the place. So you're not able to pray. And you're supposed to be in a position where you're standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with respect, with dignity. You know, drugs, alcohol, all of that, you know, deprive you as a person from respect, from dignity. And that's what Islam came to protect. You know, Islam came to protect the most important valued object to the person and to the individual. And when you have uh, drugs, you know, it takes your mind away. 
And then the next part, it takes your dignity away. The next part, it wastes your wealth. And you could end up losing everything for drugs. And then the next part after that, it takes your honor away. Because people who become too much indebted, they could even force to be doing things to their own family members or allow for their family members to be involved in certain aspects of things, may Allah protect us, that could either endanger their lives or make them victims of um, a horrible attitude and a horrible manner. So, and the last thing, it destroys your religion. You become completely unaware of your deen. Neglecting your religion Now the question about selling drugs It's haram It's forbidden By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala By his prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Because it is something that destroys people Kills people And humiliates them And destroys them We need to be very very careful Yes you can make huge amount of money Very quickly and become very wealthy and very rich, then what? Have you ever thought about the people that you destroyed in the process? Have you ever thought about the people that you might have humiliated? The people that you might have caused their death? Because all these people will come in the day of Qiyamah and you are the cause of that for the person who's selling. You are the person who have supplied. You are the person who have bullied them because they can't pay you and they become indebted to you. So they become your slaves because of that. And you put them in that position for encouraging them, for supplying it to them. You will be standing in the day of Qiyamah. What would your answer be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Your money is haram. Your earning is haram. Your living is haram. How can Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from you? When the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Mashrabuhu haram, wa mat'amuhu haram, wa malbasuhu haram. You know, his earning is haram. His eating, whatever, because the money you come, you buy your food from, is haram. So whatever you're eating is haram. Whatever you're drinking is haram. Whatever you're wearing, your clothes, is haram. How can Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept your dua? We have to be very, very careful. We have to be very, very careful, you know, about what we earn, the way we earn our money, the way we earn our living, how we feed our children. It's, it's, it's such a, you know, a, a dangerous path to follow and to take. And we need to be very careful, very, very careful. And those people who are selling drugs, fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and repent before it's too late. Fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and turn away from that craft before it's too late. Fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before you are grabbed by somebody who you caused their death because of an overdose. And these people will stand in the day of Qiyamah Holding where they injected that needle that you supplied to them. Holding that place where they injected that needle that you supplied to them. Because they are vulnerable people. And you caused the addiction. And they're standing there in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And says, oh Allah, ask this servant of yours. In what reason, for what reason he caused my death? What would your answer be? What would your answer be? So... Think very carefully to anybody who's listening to this or knows somebody or involved with someone in dealing or supplying or trafficking. Be careful because you are doing such a horrible, horrible, heinous crime that in the day of Qiyamah, 
you know, you will not be forgotten about because you might have prayed a few prayers here and there or paid, you know, some charity here and there. If your charity is coming from haram, how can it be accepted? Don't even think about it. You know, so we have to be very careful. You know, I have very strong views about this. And if it comes to the point, me saying, I hate the people who are doing it for the mayhem, the destruction they caused for the society, then, you know, I will be understating my feelings towards this subject and this topic because I've seen the effects of it very closely, you know, and some people I even knew as my friends. And I've seen the destruction that it has caused to their lives. And by the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the help from other people who managed to pull them out of the, you know, the, 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 the deep holes that they were in and we managed to save them, but it can be, you know, a huge problem. Wallahi, it destroys families. It destroys families, it destroys marriages, it destroys children. You know, think about the children of those people. You know, the, 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 the days and nights that they have to go in without heating, for example, in cold winters because they can't pay for the, for the, for the gas or for the electricity because that money is being wasted on drugs. They become gambling addicts as well because they think by gambling, wherever they have, they can get more money to pay for more drugs. It's, it's it's a vicious, vicious cycle that people need to break out of. And for those people who are supplying or selling or trafficking, be careful and, you know, repent to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and try to correct that mistake that you've made by any way, shape or form before it's too late. Jazakallah khair. Um, normally there's another question here as well. Uh, going back to the topic of uh, Quran, so what's your advice to parents on teaching Quran and how to make it a pleasant experience instead of a forced activity for the children. You know, I am in the process of uh, teaching my own children. You know, I'm not going to say what, but some religious aspects. And you know, we seem to be very good at you know, if you get A's, you're going to get this watch. If you get you know A stars, you're going to get this phone. You're going to get the PlayStation Five. You're going to get the new Xbox, you're going to get the latest computer, the latest this, the latest that. But why why don't we do the same when it comes to Quran? Why don't we do the same when it comes to religious aspects of teaching our children? So, I, I, you know, me and my wife were in the process of teaching them a certain part of their deen and we wanted them to learn it. So we've put a time limit. If they achieve that target within, say, a week, they're going to get a certain amount of money, the person who achieves it, the first person who comes to us and complete the task. The second person will cut, will get you know less amount, the third person will get less amount. And nice. then everyone everyone who achieves it will get you know a certain amount after that. So you need to encourage them. You need to help them. You need to make sure that it is, you know, it's a joyful act not something that it has to be uh, you know enforced upon them and in the end of it they will get a huge reward you know i remember my father may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be pleased with him he passed away and when i finished the quran and i passed my exam you know the day i finished the quran before i even passed my quran exam because we have to have a test and uh, he was so happy He was so happy that um, he went to my mother and he said to her, um, 
Now I can pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the day of Qiyamah we could wear the Taj of Noor, the crown of Noor. And that in itself moved me so much. It made me want to do more. Alhamdulillah. You know, seeing that happiness on my parents' face. But he didn't stop there. He was so happy. He went and made a big feast and invited all his friends. And, you know, my father wasn't the richest man. But for that purpose, he didn't spare any expenses. My brothers looked at that and thought, what? He did all of that for one person. You know what? I want the same priest. And they were so encouraged by it, they started to memorize. The rest of them did the same, and so on. So you can encourage them in different ways. Don't make it as, you know, as a punishment. Or, you know, if you don't, you know, if you don't do your homework, I'm going to make you study Quran and this and this and this. This is not the right way to do it. So I try to show them some encouragement, the same way you're encouraging other people. Uh, and you will find yourself, inshallah, in a better position. There is a question in Arabic here, I could see it. Are we sinful if we don't read the Quran with Tajweed after we learn it and perfect the Tajweed? Yes, you will be. Uh, so you have to be very careful if you learn the Tajweed and you learn the rules of recitation, you need to follow it in the recitation because now you have the knowledge and you need to implement that knowledge in the way that you recite the Qur'an. Um, we'll answer the question in Arabic with the sister as well. Naam, إِذَا تَعْلَمْتِ التَّجْوِيدِ وَأَحْكَامِ التَّجْوِيدِ يَجِبُ عَلَيْكِ أَنْ تَقْرَأِ الْقُرْآنَ بِالتَّجْوِيدِ لِأَنَّهُ كَمَا أُنْزِلَ عَلَى مُحَمَّدٍ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يجب الله سبحانه وتعالى سد يعني قال في القرآن الكريم ورتل القرآن ترتيلا الله سد من القرآن ورتل القرآن ترتيلا and recite the Quran the way it should be recited so the way it should be recited with the rules of recitation and we should implement that إن شاء الله من الله سبحانه وتعالى give us all the knowledge آمين جزاك الله خير ماموليد I can't see any other questions there's a few comments so um some saying that i do the same with my daughter reward them for learning something from the quran or sunnah um and yeah there's the underlines lots of nice other uh, nice comments um jazakla everyone for your comments for sharing your questions and um especially imam walid for your advice and guidance on this. Inshallah, we'll we'll end it there then, and uh, we'll be back next week. Inshallah. Inshallah, if Allah Subhanahu wa Taala grant us, uh, you know, the ability to live until then, and we're still healthy and have no issues, then Inshallah we will be here. Inshallah, Inshallah. Okay, Jazakallah Khairan, Mamuli. Inshallah, see you next week, and thank you for everyone watching. Jazakallah Khairan, Wa Alaikum Salam. Oh, oh, oh.